0: So this sermon's going to be in two parts. One will be uh, the story itself, 13 to 17. And the second part will focus on the implications or theological truths for us. So there is uh, just kind of go with me on this. First, we're going to look at the birth of the baby in verse 4 or in verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. Took is the word lakah. That's not the same word took that we saw when Kilion and Malon took their wives. They literally took them and carried them. Here, it it refers to a responsibility. Boaz took Ruth to be his wife. That is, he had a responsibility to her to take care of her, to meet her needs. But also it refers to the fact that Ruth's status had changed. Remember, she came from Moab, not a real Israelite, but she has been slowly grafted into the, to the Israelite family. And now she has gone from being an outsider to being an insider. She has gone from being not of Israel to part of Israel. And it says, so Boaz took her and she became his wife. And he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son of course, conception, uh, the, the conception, the word there, is Heiyayun, which means biological life. So, what happened here was somewhere it takes nine months, uh, the, the period, normal period for a birth of a child. So, there was at least nine months from the time that they married and they consummated the marriage to the time of the birth of this little baby. So here you have the idea that uh, God was the one that gave the baby. And the Lord gave her conception. And I like what Block said in his commentary. This statement must be interpreted against the backdrop of Ruth's apparent 10-year marriage to Malon. Remember, they had left Israel. They had gone to Moab uh, where they had uh, taken uh, he had taken Ruth as his wife literally carried her off and so there was at least 10 year, years there where she did not conceive and that was one of the big issues here in 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 the book for whom she seems to have been unable to conceive now in fulfillment of the prayer of the witnesses in the gate and that's verses 11 and 12 Yahweh graciously grants Ruth a pregnancy as a gift Here you see the gracious hand of God in this event. You see the gracious hand of God in which, in one sense, uh, Ruth was unable to conceive with her previous husband who passed away, but now through Boaz was able to conceive. And the writer acknowledges that this came from the Lord. Now the reaction to the birth is in verse 14 the reaction to the birth in verse 14. And by the way, as we go through the last few verses here, we have a praise of Yahweh, a prayer for the child, and then Naomi's confidence. Now notice here in verse 14. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord. We've seen that word before, Barak, which is a praise. Uh, Here's something to think about. Notice God had given Ruth a child. The people responded with praise. You know, that sounds a lot like our core values of this church. God's grace, which comes down in Jesus Christ, who went to the cross to pay for our sins, died on the cross in full, was buried, raised the third day, and ascended to the Father, and he reigns there now. That was God's grace. We all have experienced that. Those that have put their faith in Christ, we have experienced God's grace. The response to that is our worship. You remember, grace, the arrow goes down, worship, the arrow goes up. The immediate response to grace is praise. It's exactly what happens here. The Lord had given her conception and she bore a son, and the people are simply acknowledging that Yahweh, Yodahavev, was the one that was responsible for this. Wow. And he goes on to write, the writer, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. Mark this. This is the only time in the Old Testament where Redeemer is applied to a child. The word goel, which some scholars believe this this points to Boaz, but it doesn't make sense in this context, I think it refers to the child, but not in the strictest sense. As the text unfolds, we'll find out that this child was really for the benefit and blessing of Naomi, which carries its own thoughts as we go through. They go on to say, And may his name be renowned in Israel. Think about this for a moment. Think about where we are in this letter. Where Naomi has come from. Do you remember this in chapter 1? Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? Do you remember when Naomi, um, when they uh, Elimelech and Naomi and, and her kids moved to Moab, they lost everything. The father died. The two sons died. When Naomi came back to the nation of Israel, she was empty-handed. She was bitter. She was angry with God. Now, let me tell you something. There are times in life when you can be bitter and angry with God, but I'm going to submit something here. That, that in those times that we just learn to trust him and not become bitter, not become angry at God. You wouldn't be the first person that ever questions God's logic in life, trust me. King David questioned a lot. Biblical writers questioned God. But Naomi took it one step further. I mean, this, this is an indictment against the Lord. This is an indictment against God that God was the one that did this. But I'm telling you, God had a plan. Now where we are today is that God has blessed Ruth with a child. Then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord. Not only that his name be known in in Bethlehem, which is where this took place, but notice what he says, may this child's name be famous, which is the the Hebrew word there, famous in all of Israel. So Naomi now has been blessed by God. Which gets to the one of the main points here. Comfort for Naomi. Now I had told you in chapter 2, Naomi's heart started to turn, which it had. Notice verse uh, 15. And the, this is the... Uh, the, the people he shall be to you a restorer of life and a, nur, and a, nourish, uh, a nourisher of your old age bet, which means and that's the word restorer which means to turn around and life is the word nephesh which we get the inner self he shall be a restorer of your soul in other words Naomi's life had been bitter but when this child was born there was a complete change of life and I'm going to tell you something only God can change a life and he can change that life In in an instant, when the person trusts in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, turn around. Naomi's fortunes have changed here. No longer is she downcast, is she destitute, is she without anything. Now she has a Redeemer, somebody who is going to pick up for her, and God has turned her life around. This word nourisher means cow, which refers to containing food and or water. You can read it this way. He shall restore your soul and nourish you with food and water in your old age. I think Hubbard is correct when he says this. The promise was to, was that Naomi, stalked by cruel famine early, in the earlier years, that's what we just talked about, would have sustaining daily bread from the child in her later years, even if Boaz had died. So not only did she have Boaz, who had just married Ruth, who is connected to Naomi, but God has uh, uh, supplied a secondary level of protection for Naomi. This doesn't sound like the God that was indicted by Naomi in chapter 1. What this sounds like is a very gracious God who has now provided for Naomi. You know... All of us here this this morning need to be careful. We really do need to be careful because it's easy to lash out at God when things go south. But I'm telling you as his under shepherd this morning that God has a plan for your life. That plan will not be thwarted. Sometimes we will go through the muck and the mire. But I tell you, God has a plan for your life and he will fulfill it. And it is always for our good and for his purpose. Always. And I know that there's times when you go through life that just, it is difficult. It is hard. It is tough. But I'm going to tell you that God has a plan and you need to wait it out. Trust him and rely on him. And Naomi actually found that out in chapter 2 when she could start to see the hand of God. And maybe sometimes we just need to see the hand of God in our lives. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Now, he got, this writer goes on to add, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Why the number seven? Well, the number seven was, according to Jewish custom, the perfect family. But wait a minute. Ruth is more than seven sons? Think about Ruth for a minute. Think about Ruth. Do you remember back when she made that critical decision to stay with Naomi? Orpah said, you know what? I'm going to go back to Moab and my God, and I'm just going to worship him there. But Na- Ruth said, no, I'm going to go with Naomi. I'm going to stick close to you, and I'm going to follow you back, and wherever you go, I will go, and where you are, I will be, and your people will be my people, and your God, my God? Oh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's a natural thing. Seven sons were supposed to be the boom. That's supposed to be what you shoot for. Seven sons, you've got a lot of genealogy going on there. And you've got one daughter. But this daughter was more precious than seven sons. Who knows if your seven sons will follow the ways of God. But here in Ruth, this girl was a girl after God's own heart. One of the commentaries that I read this week brought up this verse, and I think it's a good one. Because uh, you all think this is a New Testament verse, right? But it's actually Deuteronomy 6.5. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. Ruth, the girl we see here, epitomizes this verse. And the writer says, look, Ruth is much more valuable than seven sons. Do you know what scares Satan? Somebody who is sold out to God. Somebody who is sold out to God is a great threat to the enemy. Did you know that? Here, I think this this verse, if I could summarize Ruth's life, it would be this verse, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind or your might. She was the epitome of this. and So yeah, you, you could see where, wait a minute, Ruth just gave birth to a baby, but she's more valuable than seven sons. That was saying something in that culture. They just didn't, I mean, that was like, if, if you were a mom and dad in that culture, you shot for the ideal family. Seven sons. By the way, I think it's a perfect number God uses as well. So we get to verse 16 now. Naomi adopts the boy in verse 16. Then Naomi took the child and laid it on her lap. Not sure I like that translation because uh, the word lap is the word hay, and that refers to the bosom, brings the child up to her bosom, and nurses, which is the word Aman, which is the word for nanny, but beyond that, it's the word for grandma. She has adopted this little baby. Ironic that she will take care of him now and he will take care of her later. By the way, it's the way it should be. It's the way it should be in families. Look at Naomi. She was bitter when she returned to Israel. Bitter. Oh, no. (laughs) Not now. I tell you what, I've had three grandkids, and I can tell you the first time they grab your little finger, you're hooked tell you that so much so that when levi was a little boy of course grandfathers always think their 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 grandsons and their granddaughters are you know special well we were walking him one day at a park and it was towards the evening and levi looked up and i said levi look at the moon and he went nah he said nah so i went home and looked it up in the hebrew to see if he was speaking hebrew already <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't. Naomi is full of joy now. She's got the joy. Because God had provided for all of those years that she was without, God had restored her joy. Wow. And then the boy was named in verse 17. And the women of the neighborhood gave him the name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. Of course, that was an official declaration. You know, like we we send out cards, congratulations on the birth of your child, or you may put it in the newspaper. We had a child. That was an official declaration that that Ruth, actually it said had been born to Naomi. You notice that? It wasn't Ruth. (laughs) I think this was... um, a way of acknowledging that Ruth now had or Naomi now has something special in this boy they named him Obed he was the father of Jesse the father of David by the way i know you're wondering as you read that was it normal for the community to name your child no That wasn't normal. In fact, this is one of the only times, one of the very few times in the Old Testament where a community named a child. I want to show you something. Here you have Ruth and Boaz. They give birth to Obed, Jesse, David. Who is David? We're talking about King David. Who God said is a man after his own heart, and I will establish his throne forever. If you follow the genealogy all around, you come down to Joseph and Mary and Jesus. <laughs> it's a big deal. This was a big deal. She was in now, this woman, who is one of the only Gentiles to have a book named after her, is now part of the lineage of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and our Savior. That is, and you know, Naomi had to go through this, but look at what happened in the grand scheme of things. God was masterfully moving things so that Ruth would be grafted in and become part of the line of Jesus, the Redeemer of the world. Wow. And so we're going to close with that, but I want to talk about three theological truths here, very briefly. Theological truths are what comes out of the text, which is apparent. So when when I look at this, this is the biblical theology, the biblical theology that is particular to this text, which we saw. Now, when I talk about uh, theological truths, I'm talking about systematic theology, where theology is connected to other verses from this. And one thing that comes out very clearly is God establishes marriage. God established marriage. He established the the marriage of Boaz and Ruth. And when we look at our culture today, they definitely want to redefine marriage. But marriage has always been, Genesis 2.24, therefore, Shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall become one flesh? When I teach uh, couples that want to get married, when I take uh, when when we do the uh, class, the premarital counseling, I always talk about that there needs to be a moment when you leave your parents. Your parents should not be able to influence. I doesn't mean you don't love your parents. Doesn't mean that you don't pray for them. But ultimately, you are creating your own unit now. And the goal of marriage, the goal of marriage, is to become one flesh. In the culture in which we live, this flies in the face of what they believe. They believe now a marriage can be between a man and a man and a woman and a woman, and they believe all this stuff. And they believe that as long as you're feeling good, you don't need to, you, you, you can stay together. But the moment that you don't, then you can break it off. No, no. The goal, God's goal, is they shall become one flesh. In other words, they work together to become one in Christ. That's the key of marriage, actually. And then a second purpose, and this is from Genesis 1, 27 and 8. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. One of the goals of marriage is that we will have children and children and children and continue the human race. Now, I, I get and I know from firsthand because our older daughter can't have child, can't have children, but you can adopt. Adoption is huge. The goal of marriage one of the primary goals of marriage is so that you'd be fruitful and multiply so that the human race continues. And that was God's purpose, that the two shall become one, that they shall be their own family. They shall be separated from their previous family. Not that you disrespect them or disown them, but you have created your own family and you begin to grow that family under God's God's ways. Secondly, God is the creator of life. You remember back when I read to you in the first part of these these verses that the Lord gave conception. The Lord gave conception. One of my favorite verses in Scripture. For you created my inmost beings. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Can you not see the handiwork of God? It is fascinating. When I hear scientists talk about how everything started with one small molecule and that from that molecule, everything fell into order. Uh, if we go that route, then God was the one that had the molecule, but, uh, and he caused nothing. He, he caused out of nothingness, something. Um, here you, you can see the development of a, of a child. One thing that pains me as I think about this child that was born And think about children in general. This is a staggering statistic. There were over 890,000 abortions in the U.S. in 2018. And some of these, well, I don't know exactly the amount of them, but quite a few of them were because of sin on the part of the parents. This should not be in our culture. I'm telling you flat out, this should not be. And uh, there was a a doctor that was talking recently. He said, there's very little chance that a pregnancy will hurt a mother. And it can be taken and can be saved and the mother can be saved. So the argument that is is in case of, uh, in, in case of endangerment of the mother, that usually is not a big issue. Brothers and sisters, we have to stand for life. We have to stand for life because this is God's creation. And you say, well, wait a minute, pastor. The Bible never mentions abortion. The word abortion, you're right, is not mentioned. But let me give you a text from the Old Testament. If people fight and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, it's premature birth, but there is no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's, Uh, woman's husband demands and the court allows. So in other words, you have a pregnant woman, she gets hit in some type of fight or combat but she doesn't lose the child then the husband shall say, okay, because you've done this, I want this, this and this and then the gate that we've been talking about will say okay, that is reasonable but notice this second line but if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life This is one verse. Yeah, it doesn't have the word abortion on it, but I'm going to tell you that is a life for a life. In other words, the mother carrying that baby inside of her, God considers that a life. You you know why, and I'm just going to say this, the church needs to be more vocal about their stance on abortion. We need to be more vocal. Here you have Naomi. God God had given the, the conception. Today we have, you know, thank goodness there are some states now passing the heartbeat bill and some other things going on. Of course, that'll be challenged in the courts as well. But the fact is, God sees that baby that's in utero as a life. And we should too. Uh, and we don't exactly know the point of conception, but God does. And we should take this very seriously. Lastly, children are a blessing from God. Naomi in the town was so excited about the birth of a uh, Obed that they named him they got excited behold children are a blessing from the Lord the fruit of the womb a reward you know we baptized two young ladies today what a blessing haven't they been a blessing to this church Em and Lily to see them here on Wednesdays and Sundays and their involvement. What a blessing. Our kids are a blessing. Let's cherish them. And while we're cherishing them, let's teach them the ways of God so that they will grow up and they will raise kids that will follow God. Love your kids. And I I get it. Some women cannot have children but there is always adoption adoption is always on the table and you can you can adopt a child and that child can become yours and you can help that child know who Jesus is